Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone, welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland as we get closer to the start of spring training 2024 as pitchers and catchers will report to Goodyear, Arizona with uh, their first workouts on February the 13th. The full squad a little bit less than a week later and our first broadcast is three weeks from today, February the 24th as the Guardians will take on the Cincinnati Reds in Goodyear. Good show lined up for you today. We will begin our look around the American League Central at the Guardians' opponents for a postseason berth and a division crown, beginning with the Detroit Tigers and their longtime radio voice, Dan Dickerson. He'll join us in the second half of the show. And in just a little bit, we'll hear from Guardians' director of player development, Rob Serfolio. Always good to check in with Rob on the farm system. And the coaching staff assignments have been announced for Cleveland throughout their minor league system. And Rob will fill us in on that and what that means heading into the new season. But first, a quick visit with Tristan McKenzie, who was in town for Guards Fest a couple of weeks back. Always fun to catch up with T-Mac. And he's coming off a season where he was limited to just the four starts due to two separate injuries that, that really cost him most of the season. But... Things are looking up as he heads into spring training. And if you look back to 2022, an 11-game winner pitched almost 200 innings, and his ERA was under three. All the other peripheral numbers across the board were excellent. You have to feel if he's healthy, what a boost that will be to an already strong Guardians rotation. And when we caught up with T-Mac a couple of weeks ago, he talked about being ready to roll for spring training. Yeah, I mean, the offseason's been really good, really kind to me. Uh, and so far, I'm feeling ready for spring. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit of a different offseason in terms of my ramp up, but a normal offseason in terms of working out and, and throwing. Uh, and I think right now I'm in line to be able to go out to spring training and treat it as such uh, and then get in the season and roll normally. What did it mean to be able to make a, a start or two at the end of the season, just for your peace of mind? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of sums it up perfectly, peace of mind. It, it allowed me to kind of go out there and know that I could still compete, uh, know that I wasn't hurt, uh, and be able to go into the offseason with a positive mindset, knowing that I had to just work and I'd be able to be fresh and ready for this season. All right, obviously workouts and, and preparing yourself physically is good. Off-season, though, I'm sure you like to do some different things. I know you work with kids, camps, things like that. But yeah. uh, you also had a unique experience in Bermuda? Uh, no, the Bahamas. The Bahamas. The Bahamas. Yeah. Uh, we go down there for the, the Dumpling Homer and Derby in Paradise. It's a beautiful event. I mean, who doesn't want to love and go to Bahamas? But uh, I like to go over there. They do a kids' camp. Uh, there's a charity so uh, golf tournament. Uh, a bunch of retired guys come down there from the Players Alliance. So CC Sabathia was down there. Derek Jeter was down there. Michael Bourne was down there. 
Chris Young was down there. There's a there's a bunch of guys that come down to to support the event. Uh, and then on top of that, I held my own kids camp uh, several weeks ago or last weekend, I guess, uh, where I give back to my community. So just being able to give back in the off season and know that all the stuff that we're doing in season provides us a platform to to help others and bring others up with us is huge to me. It's hard to believe, but you're a major league veteran now. Do you feel that way heading into this new season? No, I feel. I mean, the rookie and the vet. I feel like the old guy in the clubhouse, but I still feel young at heart. I still feel like I'm still finding my. I wouldn't say finding my way in the league. I feel like I'm comfortable, but I feel like there's still so much for me to learn. There's so much for me to to get information from. Uh, but I also think there's a lot of guys that are in the clubhouse that are a lot younger than me that I can definitely help and kind of guide through. And, and you mentioned that, and, and we had a chance to visit with Daniel Espino a little bit earlier, and, and he's had injury issues on his way to making it to the major leagues. He's not there yet. You had the same thing. Um, what have you shared with him to, to help him get through that? Uh, I think the biggest thing is trust in the process. It sounds kind of eyewash to say, as a baseball player would say. It sounds kind of like the regular thing to say. But I think truly understanding that every day that you put in the work is providing you a better tomorrow. Uh, and he has a great head on his shoulders, and he definitely does a good job of just being where his feet are and trying to take each day as it is. The team, from the standpoint of the manager's office, first time in a long time there's a new manager here. Transition-wise, as a player, how do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I'm definitely sad to see Tito go, but I'm excited to have Vogie with us. Uh, I think he's going to bring a ton of energy into the clubhouse, a ton of positive energy, uh, and I definitely is going to, think he's going to impact a lot of the young guys very good starting pitching always a big deal for this organization Um, you look around and it looks pretty strong again uh, how exciting is that when you head into a new season thinking that way Uh, I mean it's exciting to to know that I'll have a guy like Bieber right next to me uh, as well as having guys that were really good last year but they were still kind of trying to find their footing in the league like Bybee and Gavin Williams Logan Allen Uh, we have a lot of guys that are going to come in and, and provide for us this year and I'm excited for it good to see you good to see you Rosie that is Tristan McKenzie, who figures to be a big key to this season's starting rotation. And how about this? It seems like he's been around for a while. This will be his fifth major league season coming up, and it's his age 26 season. So he got to the big leagues at a young age, has had good success at a young age, and is still a relatively young pitcher by Major League Baseball standards. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development, That's after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Tom Seaver holds the Major League record. He struck out 10 Padres in a row in 1970. Now the payoff pitch. Strike three, call, curveball, and a new club record. Eight consecutive strikeouts for Tristan McKenzie. At Progressive, we love sports and saving you money, so we bundled them together. The final horse now in the gate, and they're off. They're starting off with a double toe loop jump, leaving a difficult 7-10 split as there's movement on the inside rail. Only nine pins separate them now as they head to the final quarter mile. They're neck and neck. It's down to the last frame. Here comes the actual jump. They bundled their home and auto insurance with Progressive. Win, strike, savings, gold. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly and our good buddy of the program, 
Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development for the Cleveland Guardians, has joined us as the Guardians have announced their minor league managerial and coaching staff assignments, also trainers in there too. But, uh, Rob, basically, I know it. sometimes it takes some time because there's a domino effect based on whether certain coaches are promoted or maybe leave the organization for a better opportunity elsewhere. And uh, you've gotten to a point, though, I imagine there's some relief there with, with spring training bearing down on us. Yeah, that is, relief is a great word. This is a, this is a fun yet really challenging exercise every year. You, you know, you hit on some, some of the things that you know, I'm most proud of personally. Like, yes, when we get players in the major leagues and they have success, that's right at the top of the list. But also the opportunity to help some of our coaches reach their lifelong dreams of being major league, major league coaches and part of the, the major league coaching staff. And, you know, it was, it was an honor to have a couple of those guys get that opportunity this past hiring cycle with us. Um, and that creates some, some holes as, as you alluded to with the dominoes that fall behind it in the minor leagues and some hiring of new staff and Welcome to the, the opportunity to provide new challenges for, for staff that's coming back um, is always really fun. And there's a, there's a thousand ways that you could, you could land in, in terms of who goes where, but, you know, we're really excited to have the group that we have and some, some people with experience that have been at these levels in the past, but also some, uh, some new faces at each level, which, which will be a great opportunity for these guys to, to lead and learn along the way. And before we get to, to some of the staff positions, uh, just to touch on uh, the two promotions to the major league staff with, with Terry Francona having been here 11 years and not a whole lot of staff turnover, there really haven't been many opportunities over the last decade for, for in-house candidates to move up, but for Ruglis Odor and also Brad Goldberg, both off, both off of that double-A staff, uh, I imagine those conversations were, were really fulfilling for you. Incredibly. <laughs> and, you know, just the, the quality of people that both of those guys are. Obviously, they're quite skilled as, as coaches when it comes to helping our players get better and, and maximize their career out on the field. But they're, you know, even better human beings. And some of those phone calls were as fun of phone calls that I've, you know, had the pleasure of being a part of. And just really excited for both Rugi and BG to get that opportunity. And, I know they're going to, you know, fit in with that staff really well and getting to know Vody a little bit and, you know, some of the, the guys that, that he's brought in as well, just really excited for, for what that group looks like and, and hopefully uh, supporting our players towards our goal of winning the World Series. And there is a third coach that you count as a promotion from the Guardians <laughs> player development system. And since, uh, you know, you're the commissioner of all these things, uh, we'll let that count. But Kai Correa <laughs> also uh, could be considered a, a promotion from within. Uh, and tell us about that and, and why you feel so strongly about him. Well, you know, f first off, clearly I'm far from the commissioner on anything. <laughs> but uh, on this one, you know, Kai's a, a good buddy that, uh, that we hired uh, out of – coaching in college back in uh, 2018 and or 2017 and came to us and, and really his first opportunity was as a bench coach in, in rookie ball uh, and eventually became an infield coordinator for us and then got an awesome opportunity to, to pop over to San Francisco and, and be the bench coach with their major league team and we're really thankful to have that guy back is you know he uh, is a fantastic coach that's going to really help a lot of facets in, in his role on the major league staff, but also, you know, has incredible content knowledge on the infield and defensive side of the ball and 
just going to be a great resource for not only our, our major league coaches, but given the relationships he has, you know, with people all throughout our minor league system, um, you know, a guy that, that we're hoping can, can impact our players beyond just the big leagues. Rob Serfolio is joining us. He's the director of player development for the Cleveland Guardians. And let's get to those names on the coaching staffs in the minor leagues. And again, uh, this player development, the lifeblood of this organization, and these men and women this year uh, in charge of trying to get the most out of the players and, and see them move quickly. Andy Tracy is back as the manager for AAA Columbus's fourth season now. Why is that important, Rob, to have him back? Well, first off, we're just so lucky to have Trace at the helm. Um, I don't know if there's a more difficult job in baseball than being the manager of the AAA team. There are so many, there are so many things that go on throughout the course of the year at that level. Whether it's 30 minutes before the game, getting called and told that your starting pitcher is getting called up to the big leagues, and <laughs> trying to manage, okay, how do I get through nine innings with the guys that I have available? Um, to just, you know, some of the, the player conversations at that level of, of guys that, you know, obviously want to be in the big leagues and they're not at that time. And, and that comes with some really um, challenging at time conversations, but also great opportunities to help guys try and become better versions of, of themselves as older players and, and trace just with his experience as a player um, going through a lot of those situations himself and then his experience at that level the last couple of years is just, you know, we're really lucky to have that both, you know, in my shoes and also the, the staff that he's going to be working with this year and, and obviously our players. So um, and a no-brainer to have someone like Trace, you know, in, in that job and he just, just does such a great job at it. And continuity prevails as well, pitching coach-wise and hitting coach-wise with Owen Dew and Junior Batances, and you have some others uh, in there, too, helping out in assistant roles. Um, yeah. you got to like that staff at AAA, it looks like. Yeah, it's a, it'll be a good one. And, you know, Daniel Robertson, former player at the big league level for us, and he was in AA last year popping in there. A, a new hire in Andrew Moore in the assistant pitching coach role, that cup of coffee in the big leagues, um, you know, has experience in player shoes that I think will be really able to support Owen through – a lot of those conversations we were just talking about. So a group that has uh, has experience both as as a coach in the upper levels and also on the field. So um, we're excited about that group. At the AA level, big shoes to fill with Ruglis Odor moving to the major leagues <laughs> yes. after a lengthy stay at Akron. But uh, Greg Desenzo's back in the dugout as a manager after um, stepping away from that for just a little bit. And uh, what does Greg yep. bring to the table based on what you've seen in the past? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things about D is just he, he was a, a college head coach for 20 plus years. So his the number of trips around the sun in which he's had to lead a group of players and a staff uh, is an is an advantage for us to have that type of experience in our organization. And and obviously a couple of years of experience managing in in Lake County before he got a taste of AAA as as Tracy's right hand man last year and. You know, like you said, incredibly big shoes to fill in, in Rugi. I'm not sure anyone in baseball could do it, but I think D would be on the short list of, of people that's going to come in there and, and really get our, you know, our group of players at that level. It's, a, it's kind of a make-or-break level, a, a lot of people say, and I think D's going to bring the right energy and just overall mindset to help those guys both on field and then the staff that's working with them um, do everything they can to, to help these guys continue to progress. And Cody Bukel will be the, the pitching coach there. Jordan Becker, the hitting coach. And uh, 
a person we had a chance to meet last spring, Amanda Kamakona, was just getting started in the organization as a hitting coach, spent her time in Arizona a season ago. Man, she must have made a, a, a really good impression last year because we really – she wasn't sure how, how it would go. She was hoping it would go well and certainly wanted to learn, but uh, was at the, the bottom rung of the ladder and, and now moves up to AA as an assistant hitting coach. And what did she show last year in the last calendar year that's really been impressive? Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's cool to hear that story. First off, AK was probably being too modest on her own skills right there. You know, we, we brought her in it really excited about what she could do to help our players. And, you know, you know one of the things about the minor leagues is, whether it's triple A, whether it's double A, whether it's high A, um, you know, really at the end of the day, you're trying to help minor league players get better. So we look at all of these jobs, regardless of level as like, this is a opportunity to learn skills and be exposed to experiences that are going to help you on your journey of, of whatever your ultimate end state is as a coach. And, and AK is, you know, someone that we're lucky to have. And, you know, we think this is going to be a great opportunity for her to get exposure to, the affiliate lifestyle and then obviously impact our players working right side by side with Jordan Becker, who, you know, was our high hitting coach last year and has some experience to, to be able to team up and, and use each other as, um, you know, an advantageous person on their own learning journey. So this is, this is a, a really exciting one for us. You know, AK did a great job just building relationships with players coming into our organization and learning, which is what we ask any new staff member to, to try and do. And, you know, we're really, uh, Really excited about how she's not just going to you know, impact our players, but also help the, the rest of that staff as well. Hey, every time we have you on, i, I got to believe our fans get fired up for baseball because of uh, just the good news and, and good things that are happening in the organization at the player development side. And uh, certainly this time around, no different as we get closer to spring training. We'll see you out there soon. And uh, thanks so much, as always, for coming by. Looking forward to it, Rosie. Thanks for having me. Always fun to catch up with Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development for the Cleveland Guardians. Stay with us. When we come back, we will begin our look around the American League Central Division and the teams that are in the way of a division crown for the Guardians, including the Detroit Tigers. Their fine radio voice, Dan Dickerson, joins us next. Detroit on this spectacular day 78 degrees under sunshine the city rises to its feet maybe for the final time ever for Miguel Cabrera bottom of the seventh as Detroit has the lead and Miguel Cabrera will face new right-handed reliever Angel De Los Santos Cabrera 0 for 3 today two strikeouts and a pop-up the set the pitch and it's inside a ball Fans chanting in unison, Miggy, Miggy. Pretty good chance this is his last ever major league at bat. The pitch, and it's down and away, ball two. He's had three doubles and a single on Friday and Saturday, but today two strikeouts and a pop-up. He's in a hitter's count now. Here's the set. Here's the pitch. Inside, 3-0. and oh. Well, you know why these fans are booing. If they are booing at 3-0, can you imagine what it'll sound like if he gets walked here? Here's the pitch. Ball four, it's high. 
That was rather anticlimactic. Maggie goes to first. Fans, they don't care. They're roaring. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And we begin our look around the American League Central Division at the Guardians' opponents who will vie for the top spot and the playoff spot that goes along with it. We begin with the Tigers just uh, a little bit west, north of Toledo, to the Motor City. And Dan Dickerson, their longtime radio voice, 25 years in now as the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, Dan, always great to have you along this time of year to kind of preview the season. And, um, boy, based on, on last year, a 12-win improvement for the Tigers, and, and things really seem to be on the upswing, especially in terms of good young prospects, both both pitching-wise and hitting-wise. There has to be some some good excitement there in Detroit, I would think. I think there really is. And, uh, you know, they finished the last season strong. That doesn't always carry over to the next year, as you know. But, but – when you did it with a good young core, I mean, last year was all about finding out about some guys, Scott Harris's first year as president of baseball operations. And they found out about Carpenter, uh, Carpenter Green Torkelson as, you know, legitimate middle of the order bats. It's all about keeping, you know, them healthy, especially Riley Green, who had two different injuries that kept him out for a while coming back now from Tommy John, but Jake Rogers looks like he established himself as number one catcher. Parker Meadows to me is arguably the best center fielder, I've seen in, you know, my 24 years of calling games at Comerica Park and center field, such an important position defensively in terms of covering all that acreage. And he was terrific. And then you'll watch Scooble come back from the forearm injury and surgery, and he became a dominant ace. So it was a lot about finding out about young guys, and there are more coming. It's it's probably, Rosie, a, a period like we haven't seen in a long time. I would argue maybe back to 84 in terms of, the development of a young core of everyday position players, you know, over the course of three seasons, we're going to probably add five, six young bats to this lineup that are going to be everyday guys. Uh, three last year, and you've got uh, several more on the way. And Jace Young, Colt Keith, they just signed to an extension, and uh, maybe even Justin Henry Malloy. And one player who is not back, Miguel Cabrera, who retired at the end of last season. And I know they they were trying to fit him in the last couple of years as he worked through injuries and, and his career was winding down. And and you kind of touched on the, the young lineup and, and they can really take off now where, where they don't have to work him in. But take us back to that last day of the regular season last year, which I think turned out it, it was storybook. Hollywood, I don't think, could have come up with anything better than, than the way they sent off Miguel Cabrera on the last day of his major league career in Detroit. It could not have worked out better. Sunny day, 40,000 plus the last two days. Uh, AJ had been thinking about it for so long and talking with Miguel. You know, he, he gets on base, he walks, and then, you know, he gets erased on a double play. He's coming off the field, and a lot of people are wondering, is this the last time we're going to see him? I'm thinking, I know that AJ hadn't told me, but I knew there was something. We're going to see him again. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be with a glove or not. And literally, we're going to break. And I'm one word away from saying, you know, on the Detroit Tigers radio network, calling for the break. And before the word network gets out, I see him pop out of the dugout with the glove. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And to see him go out there, team was told to stay in the dugout. That was a moment. 
Stephen Kwan hitting him a perfect ground ball so he could make the play the first batter. He had to stay out there for at least two batters, AJ said later. It's like he's got to get the best chance of getting a ground ball. And and then that being the end was it was um, it was magical. <laughs> I don't use that word very often, but it was it was incredible and such a great feel good weekend. I think the thing it did for the young Tigers, they haven't seen big crowds a lot at Comerica Park. And to just experience that, like, oh, these fans will come out. You give them something to come out for. To watch what the Lions did this fall into January, um, I think, again, if you're a young Tiger, you look at that and go, well, I want to see some of that. I want to be walking through the grocery store and hearing people chant my name. Like they did with Jared Goff. <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, yeah, that was that was an incredible weekend, and I, I do think it'll kind of carry over into this year in terms of the young players realizing just what a baseball a sports town Detroit is. Uh, it, it, it's been a little while, but it is no secret Detroit is a really good baseball town, and uh, if the Tigers get it rolling again, uh, I'm sure it will be again. We're joined by. Dan Dickerson, longtime broadcaster for the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, Dan, you look at, at supplementing all, all these good young players, um, some nice moves made by the Tigers in the offseason, especially pitching-wise. Um, what do you think of what they did to, to kind of supplement the starting rotation, and what do you see them maybe still trying to do before the season begins? Yeah, I love the moves in the rotation. Ken Maeda, we saw him four times after he came back started the year, went on the I.L., came back, and we saw him, I think, four times after that. He was really good. And he just looks like a guy who can easily pitch in mid to late 30s and be very effective. That splitter is still devastating when it's on. So I really like that signing. And then Jack Flaherty, they signed, has not had a good couple of seasons. He's been very hittable, but he's back to good health. The injuries that he had were kind of uh, oblique and non-elbow related. So... I think the Tigers realize, you know, okay, that this is what they look at. What was his peak earlier? What's caused him from getting that peak? Can we take that guy now that he's healthy and get him back to that level? And I think with the staff they have, uh, we, you know, you added Robin Lund, a kinesiology professor from Iowa uh, this past year, and he was very helpful with pitchers just learning about not the proper mechanics, but how their body moves best. And, you know, you, you figure, all right, what's going wrong with Jack Flaherty? He's back to good health. Can we get him to 18, 19 levels when he was one of the best five, six pitchers in the National League? So I, I really like those two signings. Scoobal was great down the stretch, an absolute dominant ace over his last seven, eight, nine starts. Um, so you've got him at the top of the rotation. Casey Mize coming back from Tommy John, the former 1-1. He's... I mean, he was throwing 95 in bullpens in August, and he had a little bit of a setback after Tommy John. But I really liked him slotting into that number four spot, and then Reese Olsen had a under-the-radar under 20-start terrific uh, rookie season in the rotation. And um, then you got Matt Manning as well. There'll probably a little battle there at the back end of the bullpen. So rotation looks strong. Uh, then the bullpen, you've added – Andrew Chafin coming back after a very good year uh, two years ago. And Shelby Miller's intriguing. I mean, he's heading into his late 30s, and Dodgers, as they always seem to do, made him better. (laughs) 
you know, developed a split, and all of a sudden the bullpen with Lang and Foley and Bess uh, is look and Holton, who was the MVP last year, suddenly looks like it's it's quite a strength. And then the one thing I would say you want to add before the season maybe is another bat, but I just think that they're balancing. I, I keep looking at JD Martinez just sitting out there, It'd be a perfect addition. I know that they'd like the idea of having a DH where it's not committed to one guy. Now that Miguel's retired, but man, if you get him on a one-year deal, that he would help those young hitters. They added Canna, a veteran who is going to definitely help with his presence and his, you know, just the knowledge he can pass on from his years in the major leagues. They've got to lengthen this lineup. Uh, it was, you know, third worst at run scoring in the American League, and to rely solely on young kids to make it a middle-of-the-pack offense, which I think it has to get to, if you really want to contend for the central title. Uh, you probably need more than um, just Mark Canna. He lengthens the lineup, but I think that other bat probably won't happen. <laughs> but if there was one need, I would say I would love to see that. Scott Harris talks about he wants it to make it hard as possible on A.J. Hinch to make his lineup decisions and roster decisions. Well, make it a little bit harder at J.D. and see, you know, see what the competition, sh- how it shakes out. <laughs> you mentioned those two, Scott Harris, the, the general manager and at the top of the baseball operations department, and A.J. Hinch. You've been there long enough where you've seen a, a build-up and then a great stretch and, and now an, another rebuild, but, but getting to a good spot. Are they, have they been there long enough now? And it's not that long, uh, but have they been there long enough where things are starting to get implemented and they're getting to that sweet spot where it's really starting to build and, and take off, you think? Oh, I, I do. I think, you know, Scott had a very clear vision of the type of player he wanted, not only <clears throat> the skills, but the person. And I think uh, he showed with almost all the moves he made, uh, not just on the margins, but you know, picking up a Tyler Holton off waivers. And he ends up pitching 85 innings out of the bullpen and the bullpen MVP or Zach McKinstry, who I think is going to be one of the most valuable Tigers this year for his position flexibility and his ability to play six different positions really well. He got him for nothing at the end of spring training. So he's always trying to add these guys. And when you have a clear vision from the head guy about how you want to build a winner, it just uh, ripples through the entire organization. And then you build the staff at the major league level that's very diverse, three hitting coaches, three pitching coaches. You know, they've kind of rethought the whole strength and conditioning plus training plus coaching. They all talk to each other. So that when a guy is maybe changing something in a swing, that mechanical adjustment starts in the weight room that you're talking with the strength and conditioning guys about how, okay, every movement that he makes has to reflect this change we've made in his mechanics, that type of thing. I just think it's all very well coordinated. There's a lot of stuff going on in the minor leagues at the major league level that aren't obvious, but I, I do think they are about to hit that sweet spot, as you said, of developing talent, adding talent, and getting the most out of it. Dan Dickerson joining us, longtime radio voice for the Detroit Tigers. Dan, when you say you've been there a quarter century now uh, as part of that broadcast team, um, <laughs> and for fans who don't know you, you had a chance to, to work with Ernie Harwell at the tail end of his career, and, and then you took over the, the lead voice. And um, What was that like for you as someone who grew up listening to and just enjoying Ernie Harwell for so many years in that part of the country. Yeah. It's uh, every time I think about it, yeah, it's 
you know, it's just kind of incredible that because there aren't many, as you know, doing what we do and doing it for the team that grew up watching. And that's really special to me. Ernie was such a great mentor. He helped me when I would go to Tiger Stadium in the 90s. I'd never called play-by-play a baseball, and I was working on my baseball play-by-play. And, you know, he invited me over to his house to, to listen uh, when I contacted him because that was Ernie Harwell. So we did. And he was always very encouraging. He sent me little notes, you know, after hearing a broadcast. So I did Michigan football. He sent me a, a little two-line note after hearing the broadcast my first Michigan game, uh, which was a big moment in my career. But his support and then working with him, and you realized how he stayed fresh and sounded so good right to the very last game he called in Toronto because he just enjoyed the people in the game. And always, I'm a stats guy. I like people too, but I love stats in baseball. (laughs) But you always remind us the story behind the numbers and just watching how he would walk around the ballpark and talk to so many people every day. It was just like such a great thing to, to watch and learn from my first three years as the middle innings guy. And then when he retired um, to be able to take over, I just felt like, okay, I'm ready for this. But it, 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 every time I think about it, how special it is, it, it uh, gives me chills sometimes that, that it all worked out the way it did. You know, it's amazing. There, there's some franchises where, um, they've had quite a few broadcasters over the years, but uh, the Tigers are one of those that, uh, when you think about it, how long Ernie was there, and now you're on on the 25-year plateau. Uh, that's pretty impressive, and some I think fans appreciate continuity in their broadcast booth, and, and the Tigers certainly have had that. Yeah, you think? I mean, literally, you can go Ty Tyson, Harry Heilman, Ernie Harwell, and now as I approach my 25th year, I mean, those are all that those the four with me being the fourth uh, covers <laughs> over 100 years. <laughs> Just about. A, I don't know. Not a, quite 100, but it's a lot. It's a, like 80 years between the four in terms of how often how long they broadcast. So it is kind of cool. It's a, it is a tradition and it's um, it, it's a lot of fun to be a part of that. Well, it's all part of the fabric of Detroit Tigers baseball, and uh, they will be a, I think, a, a prime challenger as uh, the Guardians hope to get back to the postseason. The Tigers, uh, a much longer stretch without postseason play. They're trying to get there, yeah. too, and it should shape up to be a, a an interesting division this year. Seems wide open, doesn't it? Oh, it, it really does. And, um, you know, you feel like finishing second did mean something, but AJ always points out he never gets carried away. You're still below 500 talking about the Tigers. It's like, all right, this division looks like it's wide open because Minnesota didn't get stronger, it doesn't appear. But there's still the team to chase, and you never count out Cleveland because, I mean, you talk about a system in place there, developing pitching and understanding how you win with pitching and defense and paying attention to the details. Um, You know, we'll miss Terry Francona, I will say that, but – I always look at Cleveland as a team that's like never count them out. And it should be a wide open race. And uh, I think Chicago and Casey are behind Minnesota, Detroit, and Cleveland. But it's going to be a, a heck of a year. Well, you enjoy spring training in Lakeland, Florida. And we will look forward to seeing you in the first meeting of the regular season between these two clubs. Dan, always nice to have you along. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rosie. Always good talking with you. That's Dan Dickerson, longtime broadcaster for the Detroit Tigers. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. 
Progressive knows we're all trying to save right now. So, no pick sixes, no blitzes, no sacks? Nope, none of that. But there's this cool move called a balestra. Oh, I think that was it. Or maybe it was that? I don't know, I'm still learning. So, fencing tickets are cheaper than football, huh? Yeah, but hey, now we know what a counter parry is. Do we? Progressive offers you savings without sacrifice. So save big when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Not available in all states. Welcome back. It's our final segment of Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And we leave you with this note on this week's show. A feel-good signing for the Guardians this week as they welcome back Carlos Carrasco to the organization. Cookie's now 36 years of age. He spent 11 seasons in the major leagues with Cleveland from 2009 through the 2020 season. At times dominant, won 88 games over those 11 seasons and pitched to an ERA under four runs a game during that time. And Boy, a lot of big wins for Carrasco along the way. He's been with the Mets the past three seasons, but now returns after a down year for him in 2023. We'll see if he's healthy, what role he fills, and if he can make the ball club as he's in on a minor league contract with a major league invite. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for joining us as always. Thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together the show each and every week. We will join you again next week for another edition of Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.